You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, I'm Katherine Griffiths. And I'm Stefania Romeo. You're listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today, we have a very raw and vulnerable conversation for you. We're talking to Lourdes Billingsley, who is a spiritual teacher and healer who has been in practice for over 20 years. She has a master's in psychology. She's certified in Reiki and intuitive healing, and she's a certified Montessori educator. Her work focuses on healing through the body, focusing on energy and the somatic nervous system so that we can get out of our heads and into our bodies. She has a wealth of knowledge and personal experience that she shares with us around the impact of these methods, how to use them. And we talk a lot about how we can become so stuck in our cognitive thinking and refocusing that energy into our bodies can result in big releases and big transformations in our lives. We share a lot in this episode ourselves. Catherine and I are sharing personal experiences and getting vulnerable. This episode is a little bit longer. And toward the end, Lourdes kind of surprised us and turned around the question that we always ask guests at the closing around what experience has been your greatest teacher. And she turned it around on us. We were a little bit unprepared, but we ended up getting to think through some of the experiences that have been really meaningful for us. So with that, we're going to keep our intro into the episode short for you guys today so that we can get right into it. And so look out for more of that and hearing more from us toward the close of the episode. All right. Well, let's get into the conversation with Lourdes. So in the conversation, we talk about her story and that light bulb moment she had that guided her on her path today. We talk about empaths and her perspective on empaths, how to recognize energy that isn't our own and practices that we can use to shake it off. We talk about how to become aware of your body and move through emotions. We cover calming the nervous system through body work. And on the topic of the nervous system, we got her take on stimulants like coffee and things like alcohol and how to integrate them if we are and what impact they can have. And toward the close of the episode, she takes us through in real time one practice that we can all do at any time to move out of being so in our minds in that mental cycle and get into our bodies. And you can do it right along with us in this episode or save it for later for any time that you need. (music) 
Welcome again, Lourdes. We're really looking forward to having this conversation with you and digging into your work. So we'd love to start out if you could share a little bit about how you got into this work, becoming a spiritual teacher and a healer. Yeah. So I was thinking about that earlier and I think I, I want to start by offering that my work has this really important and beautiful context to it, which is connected to the flow of our lives. So life is our teacher. And for me, in my process as, as a woman and learning about who I am and developing myself and transforming myself, my story about my work really is the story about my life and how my life over time has brought me to a deeper relationship with myself, deep healing, deep transformation, a feeling of connection with myself, knowing who I am. And over time, life has really brought me slowly to the place of my work blooming into what it is now. And actually, I was thinking, okay, like, when did that start? Well, it started when I was like 18 years old. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't tell my whole life story, right? But when I was 18, that was when I first started to feel this longing for more in life. You know, I really had a crisis as a almost complete teenager about what does it mean to be a human being? Why am I here? Why does this matter? What's the point of life? You know? I started asking myself that question then. And so having this desire to answer that question has led me down many, many paths and through many different kinds of adventures that has unfolded this mystery of what it means to be a human being. And all the different kinds of experiences that I've had have opened the door to kind of my understanding that and then offering that to others. So like a a good story to tell is when I was about, I don't know, 23, 24, 25 years old. And I, well, I was living in Mill Valley, California and Mill Valley is like, you know, was, it's not so much anymore, like the new age capital in California. Right. So there was plenty of opportunity, plenty of people, healers, all kinds of things. And I did a breathwork session I had done several before, but this particular one, I ended up, I arrived to where I was before I was born. It was very, very powerful. And so I was a star in this beautiful blue universe. And I was but a speck of consciousness. And I was having the experience and and in it, I was like, just this, I didn't have a body. I was just this, like this star and just this piece of consciousness. And I could feel myself starting to leave it. It was like, I was leaving this beautiful space, which I, for me, I would say, oh, I was with my creator. I was with God essentially. And feeling this movement to leave that and come to earth. And that was the message that I got. You need to come to earth. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. This is so peaceful and so blissful and so beautiful. And this voice said, you have to go. I want you to go. I want you to learn everything that you can possibly learn. And then whatever it is that you learn, I want you to teach it to others. And then I came back and 
I was in the hospital. I was born. I went through that whole process. And then I came back into the room with the person that I was working with. And I looked at her and I said, I think there really is a God. I think there is something larger than all of us that is guiding us and showing us what to do because I just met that, that being, you know? And so that like laid this groundwork for me was like, okay, I'm here to learn and I'm going to learn everything that I possibly can. And then I want to share that with others. And so that got me started. And I've had a lot of different incarnations along the way in what I do, but it's ultimately, you know, become what it is because I have a gift as a healer and, you know, it's become what it's become today. One thing I want to share that you're sharing your kind of moment of internal crisis at 18 and thinking about why are we here, it immediately jogged a memory for me that I had when I was actually much younger than that. I think maybe I was like 10 or 11. And I think about this all the time. I was driving home from somewhere with my family in the car and looking up at the sky and it was a lot of different colors and it was a really like beautiful serene moment. And I think Forever Young was playing on the, the Rod Stewart song was playing on the radio. And I suddenly had this moment of, oh my God, we're going to die. Like this isn't going to be here forever. And my parents are going to die and I'm going to die. And it was like this, that was the moment where I faced my own mortality and this idea of why are we here? And I think since then, like I kind of began that same kind of thought process that you moved through a lot more quickly of what does this all mean and why are we here? And that's why I was so interested to understand what that felt like for you. Because I think that we all have a moment like that where we feel like, oh, wait, like, why are we all here? I face my own mortality, whatever that means, and start to question all of the other things around us. It reminds me of like, there are certain things that even breath work, for example, that I would hear about for a while or hypnotherapy or any of these practices that I would hear about for a while. And I wouldn't be like at at the time, like maybe 10 years ago, I just wasn't interested or I didn't see it. Or I, I was like, I won't explore that. And then all of a sudden I would get this urge to try something like that. So I feel like that's kind of similar to what you're saying in that we're not always ready to receive the information or receive the downloads that we might get from a practice like that or just from anything. And then all of a sudden you're just wake up and you hear it and you are ready to receive it. So I just thought that was another piece that it really reminded me of, of like all those times in my life where I wasn't ready to receive something. And then later on... It came really loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like those little pieces of life that make up the larger vision or your larger thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there like a moment in your life, like even as a child, or maybe it was this moment where you realized that you had a gift for healing other people? Yeah. You know, it was there for me for a very long time. And it took many years for me to kind of understand it. And I think like the pinnacle moment, again, was around when I was 18 years old and I had gotten very sick. I had a really bad fever and I was sick for like a week or 10 days. And then after I got well, I went to the park and I was sitting in the park and I was reading this book and I just like, all of a sudden I was like, oh, it feels like someone is in pain in this park, you know? And then I look up and this man comes walking across the lawn 
towards me. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And he came up to me and struck up a conversation and was sharing with me how much pain he was in. You know, he was getting a divorce, all these things were happening. And for some reason, he chose to share all this stuff with me. He was a very nice guy, told me his story and left. But that was like one of the clues for me was like, oh, I have this ability to feel and understand things about other people, you know, before they say it. And my mother always laid her hands on me when I was sick. You know, whenever I felt sick or anything, she would come and lay her hands on me and just for her, she would pray. For me, I'm like consciously calling light through my body and through my hands. And I've had many, many years of training in that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it started young. I always knew stuff. I always knew what was going on. I had like a really strong intuition. One of the things this makes me think about is this idea of highly sensitive people or people who consider themselves empaths. Because I think Mm -hmm. that going back to what we were talking about earlier, if you have the level of awareness or you're in touch or at the place where you can kind of meet those moments where you're being called to ask the bigger questions or all of these things that we've just been talking about, I find and tend to see that that may align more with those, or maybe we meet the moment more when we are a more sensitive person. And that can be hard sometimes. I think that it can be hard to move through the world as someone who is sensitive, who views themselves as an empath. I actually saw a quote today and I quickly pulled it up when you were talking because I thought that it was relevant. It's an Alan Watts quote kind of related to this piece of the conversation that we cannot be more sensitive to pleasure without being more sensitive to pain. So I wanted to bring that up and I I wonder what your thoughts are and what you would say from your own experience and for others who feel like they're so sensitive and maybe know that this is some level of a gift, but have difficulty with it as well. Yeah. It's such a beautiful gift to be empathic and to understand and know how people are feeling, you know? And I mean, and, and it's a natural part of being a human being. And some people have an empathic gift that extends too far into other people where you're actually feeling people's emotions for them and you kind of walk away carrying the energy of another person's emotions. Mm -hmm. And we're not actually meant to do that, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. the, the way it works physiologically and energetically in the system is that Yeah, we're all generally empaths. We're all feeling what's going on around us all the time because that's what our nervous system does. It's our first line of communication is sensation. And so we feel that, but then the next process is is to not have it get confused with who you are, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're feeling something else from someone else, we need to be able to know that that's them and this is me, right? That's, they're feeling that. But lots Mm -hmm. of times, empaths don't have a really strong sense of self or they feel like that's their job to take things on for people. And then that empathic energy gets locked up into the body and in the nervous system. And then a lot of empaths don't feel well, Mm -hmm. right? Because they can't shake it off. And one of the things that I do in my work is I work with a lot of empaths, teaching them how to move that energy out of their system And how to also bring it more into the heart of compassion, Mm. right? Because compassion is a vibration that says that every human being 
knows how to heal and transform themselves. So when we bring those sensations, we feel them, we recognize them, we discern them, what's someone else's and what's ours, and then we bring it into the heart and we let it go, then we're using our empathic gift in a healthy kind of way. So empaths really have to learn how to use that beautiful gift and not let those energies stick. I was just going to ask if you could share a practice or something that we can do at home if it's not too intensive, like to actually identify that energy and move it out if it's not ours. Yeah. So the first thing that we have to do is have awareness. That's like the most powerful practice we can have. So, and that awareness includes a really primary thing, which is the awareness of what I feel like. What does Lourdes feel like? What do I feel like? What's it like to be in my own body, have my own space and my own boundaries? So that's the first practice is grounding and feeling yourself. Once you have that established, then when you're engaging with someone, then all of a sudden you can feel this foreign energy coming towards you. And so then when you feel it and you feel it, you can actually just visualize it coming up into the heart center and moving it out into the space of compassion, which is like about here vibrationally in the heart chakra. Just put it up. You just give it up. You don't try to fix the person. You don't try to feel it for them. You don't try to solve their problem. You don't try to do any of that. You just feel it and you hold it in a space of compassion. Because compassion is a vibration will transform anything. Something that I think has been happening to me a little bit recently where, and I don't know if it's because I'm spending a lot more time alone with working from home and the whole COVID situation, but I've definitely been alone a lot more or just with my partner. And Uh when I do go to social events now, I find that when I leave, Mm -hmm. I feel like this weird feeling. Like it's almost like I'm like anxious or just kind of sad. And I don't know if that's like part of picking up energy from that group or because I'm not used to being around people as much, but I'm wondering if that has come up at all before or um, (laughs) what your thoughts on that are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's take a minute right now for you to just check in with yourself. So when you were feeling that way and your body's probably already communicating to you about it, Mm -hmm. when you were feeling that way, what did you notice in your body? It's almost like an uneasiness, like just kind of not myself. Where did you feel it? My chest. Like here in your heart? Yeah, like in my heart, chest, yeah. Yeah. So your body's probably, just because we're talking about it, your body's producing the memory. So Mm -hmm. just notice what does it feel like there right now as you check in? A tightness. Yeah. So I invite you, if you want, to just notice that tightness. Mm-hmm. And maybe you feel some sadness coming, or I don't know. What do you feel coming when you feel that tightness? It's more of like an anxious feeling. Yeah. So if we were working together one on one right now, I would take you deeper into feeling that anxiousness, that anxious mm-hmm. feeling. And then you would contact whatever your nervous system was responding to. And through mm-hmm. that contact, it'll release. Yeah. Right. So your body had a response to where you were 
or maybe your nervous system picks something up or you energetically pick something up. And it's in the practice of sitting with what we're feeling rather than figuring it out that allows us to release what's being held there. That's another way to go at it, right? Mm-hmm. So a yeah. lot of times we want to figure it out. How do I get rid of it? Or what is this? Is it from this? Is it from that? But the way through is by allowing ourselves to feel what's there. This is the somatic practice. By feeling what's there, and then it just starts to move on its own. And, in, and if you were working with me and it seemed like something we had to clear energetically from the heart chakra, then we would take it to that level. But my sense is that there's a deeper thing for you to be feeling and getting in touch with around going back into the world, something like that. We would have to explore more deeply. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Thanks for, for asking that and being willing to be vulnerable <laughs> with that. <laughs> it's really sweet. I love the idea behind somatic work and really feeling into the body and something that I've been thinking yeah. about a lot lately is sometimes as much as we, you know, a lot of us and a lot of those listening, like we are doing this inner work, we're doing the self-development work and thinking a lot and in our minds a lot, even if it is to come into higher consciousness. But sometimes I really feel, especially lately, like sometimes we just need to get out of our minds and into our bodies. Yeah. And I've been finding that really helpful lately. I haven't done any formal somatic work, but even just like acting on the urge or desire to just go outside and run to in a way that it's difficult and challenging and I really can't be in my head. And I've been finding that so helpful. So what do you think about that balance between being cerebral and, you know, using our headspace and being mindful and then also mm-hmm. getting out of our heads when we need to. When do you find that that's most helpful and useful? And what do you suggest in that space? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question. Thank you for asking it because it's to answer this is like a really inspiring for me. So <laughs> I think it's critical to come out of our heads to be thinking less. Mm-hmm. It's critical. Mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. critical. Yeah. And our culture is very much stuck on the mental plane. And the mental plane in our culture is not super healthy, right? Because a lot of times we're just thinking, we're going, 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 and we're really living in the sympathetic nervous system, the part of the nervous system that is in action, that is in fight or flight, right? And it's, it's disconnected from the rest of the body. And it's so important to learn how to relax and be in our body and feel what's actually happening there. There's a beautiful book. I was just looking at it before we talked by Bessel van der Kolk called The Body Keeps the Score, because our body is holding all this historical information about ourselves that is through the nervous system sending impulses into the brain, right? Which leads us to project, right? So Mm -hmm. it colors the way we view everything in the world. And if we're always living up here in this sort of, we kind of end up in a dream state, Mm. but that's not really connected to reality. It's all being informed by the past. And if we learn to drop in and feel the nervous system, be in our bodies, that's what really allows us to be 
in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And so my work, it has a container that basically says that life is your teacher. We're here to learn. We're here to transform ourselves. We're here to become the best person that we can become and learn as much as possible on earth. So our job is to learn and to transform. The way in which I help people do that is from the body, right? So we're feeling the material that's trapped in the nervous system that's keeping people blocked. It's not allowing them to transform and develop in the way in which they want. And so we are going into the body to feel what the nervous system is holding that's coloring our perception. So whenever we have an experience that's overwhelming or traumatic or life-changing in a kind of a negative way, our nervous system is holding the information from that experience. And then it's sending impulses to the brain that color the way in which we view anything similar to that in life or just even life in general, right? Mm-hmm. So when we can contact that material, release it through somatic work or energetic work, then all of a sudden the doors of perception open, right? Mm-hmm. So let me give you a little example. Before I did this work with somatic work, I fell into it because I was at a spiritual retreat for four or five days, meditating with all these beautiful people, sweet and kind. And I was terrified. I was so afraid. I was like, why am I so afraid? And I could feel my nervous system wasn't relaxed. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in fight or flight. So even though there were all these beautiful, peaceful souls sitting around me, maybe some going through something similar that I was going through, you know, my nervous system was activated and thinking that I was in danger. And I had not resolved my childhood trauma. I was abused by our neighbor and I was abused by my father. And even though I had done all this cognitive work around that, and I also banged pillows and screamed and did this and did that, it wasn't resolved. It was still trapped in my nervous system. And I realized, oh my gosh, 20 years of work and I haven't really gotten to the core of my childhood abuse. And it was then that I discovered somatic experiencing and I was able to help my nervous system complete those experiences that then I was free from it. And I will tell you, Stefania and Catherine, that after I cleared my nervous system, it was like almost like the first time in my life, I actually went to the river that summer and I was sitting in the river and I was just completely at peace watching this little pool of fish swimming by, little baby fishes swimming by. And and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I wasn't looking around to see if somebody was coming to hurt me or I wasn't like nervous because I was calm. I was just there, you know? And so it's such a critical piece in understanding how to be a human being that we understand how our nervous system works. And that we learn how to experience life through sensation first, then cognitively connect with that, right? We have it the other way around in the world. We're doing everything through our mind first and ignoring and suppressing the impulses. And in my work during COVID, that's what everybody is dealing with. Mm -hmm. 
everyone is like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so anxious. I'm this, I'm that. Well, it's because everybody's now home and they can't distract themselves and they're feeling all their unresolved material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah, you're beautiful. Welcome. And it's such a good example. Can you talk about that a little bit more about the, like how people are feeling without distractions with COVID and what things are coming up for people? Because I think that's pretty relatable right now. It, it so very much is. So interestingly enough, my clients aren't talking about COVID. I thought people were going to be like, talking about that, but they're not. (laughs) They're talking about how anxious they feel. They're talking about how sad they feel. They're talking about how uncomfortable they feel. And so, you know, in my work, we talk this much and we feel this much, right? And so people are coming into their bodies, some of them for the first time. And feeling what it's like to be in their bodies and they're discharging and releasing old experiences that were very overwhelming for them that they couldn't complete right and so it's for some people I work with a lot of women and a few men like some of the women are trying to figure out how to not be so intense with their children and they want to you know they're just trying to figure out how to be in a at a place of peace in their body you know some people want to think less some people need to like my heart's beating all the time and i feel anxious and i'm worried all the time you know so we're working to regulate the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system and kind of bring those together and and calming and i think the most important thing it has been educating people about the nervous system and and when i just share about how it works people are experiencing so much relief you know when covid first hit i was like okay i want to do something for the people that i know for my clients for my community and i did a weekly talk on the nervous system 15 people came every week loyally and they were just like oh my gosh this is helping me so much and every week i would talk about different aspects of the nervous system and give people techniques and things to do and you know super helpful Because we don't learn about fight or flight when we're kids. We don't learn about the nervous system. We don't learn about sensation. We don't learn about the triune brain. That we have three parts to our brain, the primitive, the midbrain, which is emotional, and the cognitive brain that does all the thinking. And we're all operating from the midbrain and the cognitive brain, emotions and cognition. And we're ignoring the sensations. And those sensations are sending all those impulses to the brain which then have us react or you wonder why a woman keeps picking abusive boyfriends. Well, that's because her nervous system is trying to resolve those trauma experiences from the past, right? So there's this impulse to, to complete, if that makes sense, without a lot of explanation. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And just the point on distractions. And that's why a lot of, I mean, it's ultimately a good thing, but I'm sure, you know, right now for people and myself included, it doesn't feel great, but we always had, you know, distractions. Like you're always going somewhere, going into an office. Uh So now you're just left with all of that, which is a gift, but it's also (laughs) not comfortable. But I love looking at it in terms, because I mean, I do a lot of cognitive therapies and practices as well, and Uh not as much with the body work. So, you know, it's reminding me 
that should be and, and will be a big focus and that can really change and shift things. Yeah, it's very transformative, you know, especially, I mean, I have people who, I have a woman that I worked with who's, you know, a, a strong, she had a very strong experience and, you know, she couldn't drive her car. She couldn't go out of the house. And now she is wow. through this somatic work. She's able to drive herself places. She's able to socialize. She's feeling, you know, feeling so much better. And she's healing. It's really beautiful. Hi, everyone. We hope that you are enjoying this conversation as much as we are with Lourdes. We are quickly interrupting the episode to thank you for being part of our community. And we wanted to share an offering with you. We are constantly applying our experiences from long careers in startups, leadership, and transitioning from successful roles in tech and media into starting something new on our own, along with the teachings and lessons we learn from this work and our ongoing education. Did you know that you could book time to work with either of us one-on-one? We coach women and men through career transitions or getting to the next level in your career, just as we've done time and again. We guide on the specific steps to take to get to the next level or perhaps call more money into your role. And importantly, live and work in alignment with your purpose so that your life and work feels at ease, that you can have the things you want, call in what is meant for you, even if you're not sure what that is right now, without pushing so hard, but instead receiving. Once you learn how to do this, it transforms your life. One of our favorite tools that we always use to guide and help you understand your path is your human design. And learning this has been transformative for each of us. If you're interested in learning about working with us one-on-one through the method that we've developed, reach out to us at vera at veralife.com, or you can fill in the coaching form on our website, veralife.com. And for those of you looking to put together something larger, we also work with companies, teams, and friend groups for group sessions and workshops. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can reach out to us about that as well. All right, now back to the episode. I'm really fascinated by what you shared a minute ago on that urge or natural inclination to try to resolve something. And maybe that's why in that example, someone may choose the same kind of partners. I've heard of this before and maybe it's different. Maybe it's similar in the context of emotional addiction where we are trying to recreate or feel again that feeling of whether it's the addiction to the highs and lows or that feeling again for completion. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about what might be going on there. How can someone who might be in that situation where maybe they're consistently choosing partners that are not right for them or even consistently choosing dynamics in their friend groups that don't work for them, like what might be happening there from the context of what you're sharing around this desire or human condition toward wanting completion? Yeah, that's a really good question and such a critical piece. So I'm thinking of a man that I've worked with whose stepfather always took away whatever it was that he was excited and loved. So for example, he had laid out this train set on a table and he took it apart completely. And he was like really excited about putting everything back together and knew how to do it. 
Well, his stepfather came in and yelled at him, grabbed the whole thing and threw it in the trash. He would want to play the trumpet and his stepfather would tell him, no, you can't do it. He would take it away. You know, so it was any inspiration that brought him joy. He would experience in relationship to that a destructive force. So he comes to work with me and, you know, we're kind of exploring and he is talking about this dynamic in his life where whenever he gets excited about something, he waits for the other shoe to drop and it does. And he can't complete things, right? He can't complete these things that he's excited about. And so his nervous system is just reliving that pattern again and again and again. And so in our work together, we're helping his nervous system to have the response that it needed to have every time his stepfather was destructive with him. And so in that work of sensing and feeling, the body and the nervous system will actually create a motor movement. Very, very, well, do we do this work very, very slowly? There's a motor movement that comes to like stop or push away this predator that kept bringing destruction, you know? And it's through that completion and through feeling the stored anxiety and fear around his stepfather that is now enabling this man to feel his joy and his happiness without destroying it himself. It's so powerful. I was talking to a friend yesterday who was having an argument actually with her partner about where to live. And he said something along the lines, well, you know, you make your own self happy, so it shouldn't be about where you are. And she was kind of having this internal struggle saying, well, yeah, I I believe that. Like, it's up to me to make myself happy. But also there's these things on belonging and connection and community that feel really important too. So like, what's the right balance of both of those things? And we got in this conversation. I'm like, well, yeah, you can envision this like monk sitting alone in the Himalayas by him or herself. And maybe that's like the ultimate goal of being able to do that alone. But that feels like a lifetimes long process. And like, there is this balance of needing space holders and support systems and this feeling the belonging that I think everyone needs. That's so important. You know, that your friend's boyfriend or spouse or whatever is sort of promoting what is called spiritual bypassing. Mm. Are you guys familiar with that term? Yeah, I hear it a lot, but I actually would love your take on how you think about it. Yeah. So spiritual bypassing is when we take a spiritual concept and we use it to bypass our emotional and sensory needs. Like what I hear your friend saying is, I don't feel like this place is where I belong, right? And my body wants to be in community, wants to be in this kind of weather and this kind of situation, you know, like that's part of it, you know? It's not like you're going to go live in the Alps and just figure out a way to be happy. It doesn't work that way, right? (laughs) And so there's a lot of spiritual bypassing that goes on where we use spiritual concepts as a way to bypass the emotional and human content of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of keeps us stuck in our head. One thing that I feel like is really helpful to reflect on sometimes that I've learned is that, you know, our fight or flight exists because we've had hundreds of thousands of years of prior to now where we needed that to actually survive, to escape an animal, to not be eaten. And 
those same kinds of survival instincts kick in for things that are much less and not at all dire. So this fight or flight, when there's a stressful situation at work, is coming from the same place that you know, I don't want to be eaten by this animal and killed it coming from. And I, I feel like it's interesting to think about the evolution of our brain and how, you know, our brain has not caught up with, you know, this modern life in many ways in the fact that when we think about where we evolved from and how long we were in that place before we were in modern life. Yeah. You know, it's the predator now is invisible. Yeah. And we don't even realize it because most of us aren't even really paying attention to all those sensations that are happening in the body. Yeah. Right. And so, but also the predator for some people, it's their parents, it's their spouse, it's the person on the street that attacks them, you know? So we still need those instincts, even though the world has become modern and everything. We can't bypass our humanness and just be like this on the computer or with, you know, all the electronics and stuff. We're human. And the more we embrace our humanness, the less anxiety we have, the less fear we have, the more comfort we experience, peace, joy, love, compassion, all those wonderful, wonderful things. This conversation has been making me check in with my own body and I notice you know, I, I tend to like hold my abdomen as though it's like tight. Like I'm doing, I'm mm-hmm. like doing a crunch or like wearing a corset. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I doing that? Like I sit like Relax. that. <laughs> yeah. Just relax. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to do it up here in my neck. That's where mm. I like to hold. Mm. It's up in my neck. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in my shoulders sometimes. But yeah, it's definitely bringing more awareness to what we're doing in our bodies for sure. You know, I know there are a lot of practices out there and we can certainly work with you on somatic breath work and energy work. If we were to do something at home, I know you talked a lot about breath work. What is a practice that you would recommend to just kind of get things moving in our bodies? So a really simple thing to do is to put one hand on your heart and the other hand on your belly. You guys can just, we can all do it together right now. Just put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. And you can just for a minute close your eyes for a few moments. And just notice what it feels like to have one hand on your belly and one hand on your heart. And what this will do right away is start to regulate the nervous system. And you might notice all the sensations that are happening in your body right now. And then as you're doing that, you can just feel your feet on the floor. Feel how the chair is holding you. Just let yourself have that for a moment.
And just what do you notice as you do that? What do you notice in yourself as you do that? Notice I feel calmer just having my hands on my body. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, like there's a bit of warmth. And I actually notice that I do that a lot. Like I'll put my hand on my stomach, even when I'm meditating, like it's just makes me feel like safe, mm-hmm. my body. Yeah, that's key. Feeling safe in our bodies is key. You know, that's where I start with just about everyone is, you know, I ask people, do you feel safe? How safe do you feel? Mm. And some people say, I don't think I've ever felt safe in my entire life. Yeah. And safety, safety and the sense of self all come from the body. We're all imagining who we are in our heads. But really, our sense of self is felt and in the body. And when you feel that and you can contact that on a regular basis, then who you are and your life flow just comes from that. How'd that make you feel, Stefania? Uh, <laughs> hardly say it. For me, actually. And I think I had too much caffeine today as well. That was actually something I want to ask you after this, what your thoughts are on having caffeine and, and even alcohol. But okay. So for me, I felt my heart beating really strong in my body. Mm-hmm. And so having the awareness, and maybe these are just connections I'm making in my mind, but having this awareness where you know I'm feeling a little bit anxious today. I had a little more coffee than I normally do this is my physiological response. Look at how much my heart is beating. Feel how strong my heart is beating. Uh My body's working. So having an awareness that, okay, this is a physiological thing happening in your body. Maybe that can help separate from what might be happening in the mind right now if it's a little bit more intense than normal. Mm -hmm. But then also I had this moment of thinking like, oh my God, the body is so incredible. (laughs) My heart is beating, everything's working, everything's happening in there and reflecting on that. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, coffee is the drug of choice, right? It's America's drug of choice. (laughs) Yeah. We've got Starbucks everywhere. The lines are long, you know, we're making sure there's not dry, enough drive through so we can keep getting our coffee because what does that do? It drives everybody into the sympathetic nervous system and away from feeling the body because oh, it's got you up here. Your heart's pounding really hard. You're going to go, you get super creative, you know, it's an upper, right? So coffee, you have to be careful with it because after a while, coffee doesn't allow you to feel anymore. It's just something we should use every now and again because mm-hmm. it blocks the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxing part of the nervous system yeah. from doing its job. And I love coffee. I-, <laughs> I noticed that when I was drinking it a lot, I was having it every morning and after a while it stopped working. Like I wasn't even feeling that buzz and the creative energy anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, so I've taken a break now just to get that back again eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've actually, during this break, I've realized, wow, I don't actually need it. It's something I love and I something that I'll have, mm-hmm. but it's not, I, I felt like before, like, well, I have to have my coffee or I'm not going to be able to perform unless I have my, my coffee. And now I've just taught myself, actually, you don't, you're okay. And you can wake yourself up in other ways. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's like, it's scary to be tired. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's not okay. Something's wrong with me if I'm tired, you know, or, oh, I'm yeah. sleeping or I'm, I don't have any energy to do anything, you know? So it's really important to embrace that tiredness or that desire to rest, right? It's an important impulse, that desire to rest, to let ourselves have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually recently did a podcast on this idea of pacing yourself in a way that maybe is not helpful for you or in, in your mm-hmm. your highest. And this is making me think of it because I think coffee is similar. It's like, do you ever do things? And I gave the example of like not finishing a class or a posture in my yoga class because I thought, oh, well, if I don't, if I do this all the way out, I won't be able to do everything else. And I think that's mm-hmm. similar with coffee, this idea that like, well, if I don't have this coffee, then I'm not going to be able to make it all day. But like, we don't even really try sometimes or see, okay, what would it be like if I really kind of normalized out of yeah. it. So yeah, I think that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. My question that I had for you, and maybe we've already covered it with what we've talked about and what you just shared with us with, with what Catherine asked you. Mm-hmm. Is there one thing you would recommend everyone do to help just get out of their heads and into their bodies? Yes. I would say that people should practice orienting towards pleasure. Mm orienting themselves towards beauty, orienting themselves towards what helps them to feel good, what's nurturing and orienting towards pleasure. Not like through a coffee or a cigarette or alcohol, but through beauty and pleasure, you know? Mm-hmm. And I that's kind of like the first exercise I give a lot of clients and many people, I'm so surprised say they're like, well, I don't even know how to do that. You know, I never really thought about that. Like, what does that mean? Mm. And so what orienting towards pleasure takes us off of the negative hypervigilance and brings us into the healthy part of our social engagement system, which is designed to look for good things, to look for pleasure, to look for things that we enjoy in life. It's not designed to be looking for danger, to looking for, well, how can I be so somebody doesn't get upset with me? And what do I need to do in order to, right? It's not designed to always be looking for danger and problems. It's really designed to orienting us, our whole system here in the front of the face and the eyes and the heart towards relating and connecting and love and beauty. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like I have flowers right here on my desk. Mm-hmm. I have a window that I look out of and the sun is setting right now. You know, I have a candle and a light over there. I mean, I have all these beautiful things around me that I look at all day when I work with clients. Mm, yeah. You know, it's really important. Well, there's one question that we ask all of our guests and it's actually aligned with your motto that life is your teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so our question is what life experience has been your greatest teacher? My daughter. I have a 15-year-old daughter, and when I first was nursing her, I was just like in total and complete awe that not only had I carried her for nine months, but then then I had her in my arms, and I was breastfeeding her with milk that was coming from my body. It was like this miracle of life that I could sustain my daughter's life outside of me you know? And so I was holding her and I was feeling that. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I am such a selfish person. 
And the reason why I thought that about myself was because I had no clue prior to that moment what it meant to give selflessly until I had my daughter. You know, and I thought I was like this generous person, you know, loving and all that. And I was, you know, but not like with my beautiful baby daughter. It was just like, I would do anything for her. I would die for her. And I do, you know, and of course, within reason, now she's 15, right? It's different. (laughs) But I would just do anything for her. You know, she was just this amazing miracle of life. And our children, if, if you have the privilege of having a child, you experience this very profound, unconditional love that can be found nowhere else other than with your child. Wow. It's really quite extraordinary and amazing. And I you know, owe a lot of my healing, interpersonal healing, and my desire to be a better person to my daughter because... I don't want her to carry my family karma with her, you know? I don't want to pass any of that on to her. I just want to pass on as much goodness and purity onto her that I possibly can. And she's taught me how to forgive because she's forgiven me over and over again for my imperfection as a mother, as a woman. How about you guys? (laughs) you answer the question (laughs) (laughs) I actually haven't thought about it about one (laughs) we ask everyone yeah yeah (laughs) we have never answered it yeah Um, okay I mean I would say for me it's always a relationship and there's one that comes to mind like a Mm -hmm. very I mean, there's so many things, but just a really tough breakup has always been, I always go back to that moment because it was the moment where I stood up for myself and put Mm. myself first. And I really, even though I really adored this person and I wanted it to work out so badly, he just wasn't giving me what I deserved. And I stepped up and did something about it. So Mm -hmm. that was the first time where I was like, no, this is actually not good enough. And that really started my whole, you know, it was like the catalyst for my whole healing experience because I just wanted to feel better and I would do anything. And I Mm -hmm. went to see a hypnotherapist and a coach that really helped me change my life. Mm And I feel like that's really that moment where I can say, wow, that's that moment that got me here and why I'm into all this stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's what I would say. I have a feeling that you resolved something in that relationship, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you were drawn to this person that wasn't meeting you properly. So you could do exactly what you did and have Mm -hmm. that transformation that you needed. That's how it works. Yes. Yeah. It always goes back to the past stuff. And I feel like relationships are those moments that really ricochet you forward because Mm -hmm. there's so many feelings and emotions. And when you are faced with them, it's almost like a replica of whatever happened with in your past. So it really does. I completely agree with that. It helped me resolve a lot of things in the past as well. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, for me, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. That was so beautiful. You're welcome. And makes me look forward to having that experience one day. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I can distill down just one, but I definitely would say that all of the most difficult, even hopeless times that I've had have been that for me. And I am a very 
a highly sensitive person and I really feel my emotions. And I've been through a couple of earth shattering felt like uh, breakups. And those were beautiful teaching experiences for me. And every time that I haven't gotten what I wanted or what I thought I wanted has been such a great teacher for me as well. And it even goes back to those relationships, but also to things with jobs or where I'm living or or things like that. Anytime that I haven't gotten what I've wanted, that has been also a lesson for me in releasing control because I have been very conditioned, especially in my growing up that like you can control everything and play the pieces and do this and make this happen. But I've learned over the course of my life and the difficult experiences that you really can't control everything. And Mm -hmm. it's actually a beautiful gift and release when you can come into that. But the release of that is a challenge, but a a big lesson too. So I would say that those are probably the biggest teachers for me. And then I think like what sparked me on this journey really was first moving out of my small town where no one left and being one of the only ones to leave and move to New York City. And then to San Francisco, where I actually moved for my partner and didn't really want to go and then was faced with a lot of challenges and questions. And then I really got into this healing work. Like Those were such beautiful teachers for me as well. So lots of themes around uncertainty and challenge Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is kind of what comes up for me. Yeah. It makes me think of faith and surrender, Mm. right? Surrender. I'm always reminding myself of that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's so important to have faith that whatever it is that comes our way is going to pass. It's going to resolve, right? So that faith, it's like a, a vibration that comes in and it makes us like a firm, you know, it's like, okay, there's a resolve there. This is going to work out. And then we have to surrender to that truth that it is going to resolve. And we let go. And then you, in, in that letting go and not knowing, all the answers come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, have we ever not resolved anything? I mean, think about it. <laughs> yeah. It all gets resolved, right? Yeah. yeah. But it, it, you know what makes it hard is all the angst. Oh, yeah. In that process. That's what gets us. But it's always turning out. It always has. Yeah. And I love what we've talked about so much in this conversation. What if we got out of our heads and into our bodies? What would that be like? Because I I think that one of the things that I've actually uncovered with my therapist over the years is that, and something I do, but I, I would imagine others probably do this too, to an extent is sometimes the things that I'm feeling that I'm having such a hard time moving through or painful experiences. Sometimes I actually am not feeling the pain in my body and I'm actually okay. It's when I zoom out and I look at myself through the outside, I say, oh, isn't this terrible? Or isn't that awful? But I'm actually not feeling it if I'm only in my body. And I think that that has been so enlightening for me. What do you mean you're not feeling it if you're only in your body? I mean that if I am only focused on my here and now, Mm -hmm. I'm having one experience. Mm -hmm. If I zoom out and I look at the situation from the outside and I say, oh, isn't that terrible? Then I'm having a different experience. And I have tended to live in the latter. Oh, I see. Where I only look at it from the outside versus from the inside. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And I call that getting stuck in how you feel about what you're feeling. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
And is maybe it's like a judging your feelings or thinking. Yeah. Or having a reaction about them. A lot of people get stuck there. Yeah. And being yeah. upset about what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And you get stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's harder to feel the fear about the feeling than the feeling itself. Yes. So fascinating. Isn't it? Really is. Well, you two are so lovely and beautiful. Uh, and I'm really happy for you with what you're doing. And it's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. I, I really mean it. You've given me a lot to think about and reminded me about, you know, what are the ways you can be in your body and not in your mind so much. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's so important. I'm so grateful for this conversation. You're so welcome. I'm honored to share. Really happy you decided to invite me. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've definitely given me a lot to think about and I'm going to be doing more body work and awareness around that as well. Such a great conversation. If people listening want to work with you, want to find out more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? What's the best place for them to go? They can go to www.lordisbillingsley.com. And we'll link that in the show notes too. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed that episode with Lourdes. We certainly did and found ourselves sharing quite a bit. Yeah, Lourdes is one of those people that can just draw it out of you. You know, it was interesting, Kat, you actually said this ahead of the recording was that Lourdes reminded you a lot of Srimati, which I know that we and this community really revere and respect. And I definitely thought that there was some similar energy there between the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. And their voices sound exactly the same, which is very funny. Yeah, their voices are so similar. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you listen regularly and you enjoy the weekly shows, consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with a friend who can benefit from the information or maybe provide a way for you guys to connect. Until next time, that's next week, next Wednesday in the US and Thursday in Australia. This is Stefania in Santa Monica, California. And this is Catherine in Sydney, Australia. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.